This podcast is brought to you by Sales Fuel Hire, a platform to help companies hire smarter and flag 13 toxic employee types. Measure job fit, sales tendencies and motivators, decision-making abilities and empathy levels, and make your next hire your best hire. Try it now on salesfuel.com slash hire and use promo code MANAGESMARTER for $50 off your first purchase. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Lee, our guest today, I love this. He's an architect, but he said that he got creatively frustrated and then that blasted his brain into a whole new intersection of architecture, design, workplace, and culture. It's like, and then now, now let's add to it. It's like, it's one thing to have to worry about all of that in an office setting, but now you also have to worry about that in a work from home setting as well. So that's something I'm really curious about, but, but, but certainly, you know, setting people up in their ideal work environment so they can perform at their peak is, is ideally what we want to shoot for when we talk about office design and we're talking about workplace and, and it doesn't matter whether the workplace is in an office, a satellite office or, or from home. Uh, it's something that we have to be mindful of because we definitely want to get the most performance out of out of all our reports. That's right. And that's his jam. So welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong, the Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm Celie Smith. I'm the President and CEO of SalesFuel. And welcome to our microphones, everyone. Steve Shaparo. Hi, Steve. Hi, both of you. Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to our conversation today. So thank you for the invitation. We're going to learn a lot from you today. So for those of you that don't know Steve, he is an organizational culture expert and communicator who speaks worldwide about how companies can transform their workplace culture through intentional co-creation and communication as well as design. He is the founder and principal at Culture Design Studio and Organizational Design Agency. And he's got his own podcast, host of the Culture Design Show, and someone who really sees how architectural design can be so much more informative in shaping not only the workplace culture, but also the feeling. And like Lee said, if later this year we're actually going back into offices, you'll have some ideas for changes people might want to make. So I, I don't know where you want to start. Lee, I know you want to start about op- maybe open spaces. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. You teed me up there. Like, all right. So, so Steve is like, can, can we officially declare the open office design dead? Because I never liked it to begin with. And, and, and then after, after a pandemic virus or whatever, I like it even less. So yeah. going forward, uh, is it dead? I, I will give you an answer with a qualifier. My answer okay. is no, it's not dead. Because it is, if you have it as a choice or a sort of a menu of types of spaces, it, can def, it definitely has its purpose still. But if you think of open plan as a silver bullet, I would say that that's not a good plan. You said the open plans too of the Google and hey, we have a ping pong table. Yeah, and, if, oh, if it's and the just drink a, station that's if, like that's ten years old. If and- it's just one type of space, meaning the open mm-hmm. plan that you apply for all contexts and almost all activities within a company. Yeah, it's it's there's never going to be a silver bullet for any type of space, and I actually subscribe to the idea that a company should should consider what I call spatial diversity. And it's the idea that you take a look at the activities that you are trying to house, that you are trying to uh, um, promote, and then you create a space that is specific 
to that particular activity. So you have different types of activities. And I think that if you start to really think about what types of activities you're trying to house, and you can be very intentional about how you design those spaces. Some people might say, well, geez, you're telling me I need a space for, for individual work. You're, you're saying that I need a space for people to commune. You're saying I need a space for all these different types of activities. Wouldn't that result in a bigger uh, office space? Not necessarily. Mm -hmm. If you actually do the math, it can actually be smaller square foot per person because you're being intentional. So much of our office space is actually wasted because we're trying to think of it as one size fits all or one type fits all. And it results in, in, in some wasted uh, space. Yeah, it's sort of like it's it's a place to house people so that people have a place to do their work as opposed to let's think about this in terms of functionality. Yeah, so it's like I want to have I want to have a, you know a space then for small meetings for for breakouts and for brainstorming. I want to have a space in for more of a classroom type type setting. I want to have a collaborative space then for all my IT developers then to to work yeah. together and yeah. to be to shout ideas back and forth. I want to have my sales team together. But, you know, my my people that are on the phone a lot and like that need their own private offices where they can close the door and everything like that. But they still need to be within earshot of their assistance yeah. and everything like that. Yeah. And I think those are considerations that were becoming so much more important uh, even before COVID. Now that we're in and hopefully exiting COVID, it becomes an even more important question because I think people are starting to reevaluate what I call the value proposition of the office space. They are really reconsidering, okay, if we're thinking that a hybrid, you know, working from the office and working from home might be the answer because, you know, some folks might say, I only want to be in the office. Some are saying, I only want to be remote, but I think really what's going to happen is it's going to be a hybrid approach. So then the question then becomes, well, what activities do we have people do at home? What activities do we have people do in the office? And for those new activities in the office, or at least newly defined, then what are the spaces that are best used for that? Because I think sometimes those dedicated offices, those de you know, they may not be used. So many offices that I, I've seen, you have a lot of these, uh, you know, executives that are on the road a lot and they have their corner office that has a large square foot per person and they lay empty for so many hours, if not mm -hmm. days of the week. And so, again, if you get geeky about it mm -hmm. and you start to even do what we call a utilization assessment is like you look at the spaces, how much are they being used as a percentage throughout the week? Could they be better used by actually redesigning them for, for different activities? And so there's so much in this one particular conversation that is, is really, really interesting. So let's talk about post, a post-COVID world, which is now we're starting to see that, that that's a possibility. Um, talk about hybrid. So we're yeah. gonna have, now people have proven that they can work from home. And, and, and so it's like, well, so they're going to be doing more of that in the future. You know, you might see a lot more people then instead of working from the office five days a week, you know, working in the office three days a week, working from home two days a week and you know, the, varying that up. So now you've got even more empty office space under that scenario, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think when you, when you think about what the post-COVID office looks like, I think it's really important for uh, companies to really do some serious intentional assessments. Um, I think uh, there are, uh, you know, not only is it about what do we use the office for, um, but, you know, uh, you know, if we have some underutilized space, there might be some other things that we can do with that space. But I, I think 
if people start to really reevaluate that, and uh, I think it's just really interesting that sometimes folks will realize that they have 50% of their spaces not being used or will mm-hmm. not be used because they're really thinking. Uh, and so I think there's so many different ways to consider. I think that I subscribe to this, this quote that Winston Churchill shared back in World War II and the parliament building had been bombed and he was basically making a pitch as to how the parliament building should be rebuilt. And he had this one phrase that I love. He said, we shape our buildings thereafter they shape us. Mm. Not only does that apply to our physical buildings, but I also think our physical structures, but I also think that it applies to our cultural structures and our organizational structures. So we have to really understand what, how do we shape our space so that it can then shape the way we interact and the way that we work. And I think too many people allow predetermined spaces to de- predetermine how they act and it just doesn't work. So let me ask a question and I'm gonna interview both of you. I'm gonna turn the tables. What do you both, and Lee as a CEO and Steve, you as well with your own firm, what kind of activities do you guys think going forward should be the mandatory in-person activities? that you have to come in for that's you no. beg the question. So I'm asking it. All right. Well, I'll, I'll just simply say anything that's collaborative. Mm-hmm. I think it mm-hmm. works much better when you're in person and you can actually, there's a lot of information that you miss on, on a zoom call and you miss everything basically from, you know, from the chest down, you know, mm-hmm. you, you don't see, you're not, you're missing that. You're missing a lot of subtle mannerisms. It's, it's hard for you to actually read someone's face, you know, when they're a little square box with about 10 other square boxes on the screen. And whereas if you're in person, it's, it seems to me like you have a certain energy that, that, that comes with it. So for me, anything that's collaborative at all, whatever, I'd like it to be in the office if it's possible. It's not always going to be possible because we got people, even in our company, we got people over in Asia. We've got people in other parts of the country even. So it's like that's not always going to be possible. But that's for me, that's, that's numero uno. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think anything that is collaborative, if you, if you can at all, try to make it in person. And I think, the, in, uh, so I think that's one thing, the collaborative. So uh, Celia, you, you've mentioned that. And I think also anything that will uh, result in community building or team building. So sometimes if you have team meetings or you might have a town hall, I think it's really important. I mean, I think I've experienced that in so many different domains in my life that you could be almost 100% virtual, but when you have those few times throughout the week or throughout the month or quarter where you actually get together. I think the fact that you have been virtual and now are coming together in this communal fashion actually skyrockets the sense of, of, of camaraderie uh, in, in even a more powerful sense. Because I think that sometimes when we are physically adjacent to each other or in proximity, 100% of the time, we take for granted the, the, the need, our social need to be next to each other. So when it's few and far between and we actually do to get together, the impact is just amazing that, it, you know, some people say, okay, we're going to have our annual conferences. We're all, the entire company gets together. Well, that's one thing. I think that's, that's only one thing example from the past, but I think if we make them certain rhythms that we can have to get together. But I also think that it, it, it relies on each individual company. There's not a template for every company. Uh, I think that's going to rely on the individual nature between two people within a team, within a department and with a company. I think it really takes a leadership 
capacity of saying, okay, what would look good for us and reevaluate at the big word that I have coming out of COVID is intentionality. Mm-hmm. And I hope that we mm-hmm. never lose that. Yeah. The other thing is, is that going into it now is like people are really going to be looking forward to the, the, these yeah. events. So yeah. we used to have a, a family lunch, you know, once a month, we used to yeah. have happy hours you know, mm-hmm. on Thursdays, right. things right. like that. And, and some people kind of thought it was, it was kind of a pain in the butt, you know, or it's like drudgery or it's like, it's like they didn't, you know, some people just didn't want to do it now. It's like everybody. Oh like, yeah. Like, when I'm can sure everybody shows up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it's like, we have an opportunity right now that people are in, have the proper, have a great attitude towards it. And a great mindset toward it like that. Let's, let's do something really, you know, fun and really that's going to, that, that, that represents our culture as to who we are yeah. uh, collectively, but also it, it's, here's an opportunity to make our mark and, and to do something really great because we've got everybody's attitude in, in a place where they're going to be accepting of it, at least starting right. out anyway. Yeah. Let me ask something for the small businesses that are listening to this and leaders that are trying to build their business. So at our offices at Sales Fuel, Steve, you would love, Lee did a whole redesign. We have a huddle room, which is for those little team building exercises with the monitor yeah. on the wall and the tall table. And you just, go, it's all glass. You just go in there and slide the door shut and you brainstorm. But something as simple as taking a door, which is, a, a, Lee, you made this choice, taking the solid wood doors off of the offices and putting in a door that has glass in it. Yeah. Yeah. Made a huge yes. difference. Yeah. There, there's, you know, the firm that I used to work at before was, was visionary studios and we mm-hmm. prided ourselves in being spatial storytellers and the stories that we were telling were the cultural narratives or the cultural stories of the, the organizations themselves. And so we wanted the space we wanted the way the, the spaces flowed with each other. We wanted the colors. We wanted the materials to really echo what that culture was all about. So let's just say, for instance, if there was a company that valued transparency as something that they, you know, that they touted, but they all of their doors had no windows, or there, you know, all of the conference rooms had no way to see into it. Uh, I know there's privacy, but you can still be transparent and private. <laughs> and so right. I think what you did, Celie, of, of being able to have those those windows on those doors gives uh, another sense of embodiment of that value. It's like, hey, we're having this meeting, but people can see in. There's 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 visual transparency, but there's physical privacy. The HR person is the only one that has a solid door. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. And privacy understood. is there, paramount. That makes there. sense. Yep. yep. Well, what are some of the other simple changes you can make, like a glass door that um, smaller businesses could make and it wouldn't cost them an arm and a leg? Because buildings are expensive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Buildings are expensive. And I don't think that you necessarily have to spend the same amount of money per square foot all across the space. That's another thing that Visionary Studios espoused greatly was you pick some of those those, uh, those some of those statement spaces, those, those accent walls or you, you create a pathway that accentuates how you're traversing between from one space to the next. So I think you start to look at what are some statements, spatial statements, color statements, because honestly, how much more does, a, a, a say, a green wall, or let's say, you know, the green that you have on as part of sales fuel logo, let's say you had a wall, I think that's green. Yeah, it's you green. had a wall that was either green or orange. And how much more uh, per, per square foot does the orange uh, cost than a white? 
I'm, I'm, it's rhetorical. It's, it's, yeah. There is no difference. But the impact that it has is astronomical. When you have that, you know, sporadically around the office, the materials, you could have pretty, you know, say four floor linoleum uh, or some type of uh, um, uh, sheet, uh, sheet flooring. You know, you could have some spaces have one type of flooring and then another one that is a little mm-hmm. bit more costly to really accentuate something. So I think from a materials perspective, from the, the physical appearance, like, you know, solid door, no door, uh, window, um, you have open an open plan, uh, you know, as we said, okay, maybe the open plan isn't great for the entire office, but there might be certain places, certain nodes, if you will, throughout mm-hmm. the office where that is actually a really good thing. There might be a certain team that actually That's works right. better in that, in that environment. Like I would say engineers, mm-hmm. probably not a good, uh, a mm-hmm. good spot because they are really task focused. A creative team who's coming up with ideas and branding and think marketing, maybe they might be a good candidate for an open plan just for their section of the office. So I think, yeah. I was So two things on that. Uh, last thing you just said, like, but the thing is uh, our creative people that, that, you know, that they also get loud. <laughs> and so <laughs> yes. the engineers don't oh, like it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, and that's it's where it, if at all possible, but, but, but it's true. I think uh, we have seen that too. I think uh, sometimes the adjacencies is, is a really big thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a type of space that one team will thrive in that another team doesn't thrive in. So, okay, you don't put them together. You put mm-hmm. them maybe in a different part of the office. Uh, so there's a lot of different ways that you can be intentional with material, uh, spatial adjacency, all of that stuff. And the second thing is, is, Audrey, it's like you'd be amazed that after a year of COVID where I managed to keep the living wall alive. It's, it's, yeah, we it's have still a wall most, covered in plants. It's yeah. still mostly green, but it's like, yeah, it's a little bit of yellow. I'm proud there, of you. But, That's great. Ugh. Talk about a green wall. There you go. A yeah. living wall. Hey, we asked you, Steve, your um, number one problem or mistake that you think managers make. And you said, you talked about it for yourself. You said one of the greatest mistakes I have made as a leader was thinking that I had to know everything. So how have you worked your way out of that as we wrap things up here? So this comes from my background, I I think, uh, my background in architecture. Uh, When when you think of an architect, you think of, of a guy, so, okay, a client comes to me with a problem. Okay, I am the sole genius that is going to create the solution and present it to the client. Uh, I think for any sort of subject matter expert out there, they have been relied on to provide that answer. Well, things are way too complex, ambiguous, uncertain, uh, volatile these days for any one single subject matter expert. And I think many times the leaders consider themselves as those SMEs in any particular company. Well, I think, and so if the, if the leader kind of acts as the architect, that sole genius who says, okay, I know where we need to go. I know what it needs to look like. I know what the steps are. There's only so far that CEO is going to go. But if that leader transitions from be, be, being an architect of vision to a facilitator of vision, say, okay, here's the direction, but I need you to come along with me because you are the subject matter experts in our company and maybe specific tasks in terms of uh, culture and, and uh, expertise, I need you to help me give flesh to the spirit of my idea. And so I think being able to allow the collective genius of the ranks within your firm 
is paramount, especially in the day that we live in right now. Here's where I want to go. Here's why I want to go there. Does that make sense? Okay, give you an opportunity for some respectful pushback. After that, then it's like, okay, how are we going to get there? That's what I'm counting on you to tell me. Yeah. It's like, you tell me. I, I hire good people, talented people, pay them well, something like that. You know, you tell me what I should be doing and, and, and don't, re, don't rely on me to be telling you everything. Yeah, there's so much respect that a CEO gains when, you, when you're honest and vulnerable. Says, okay, I'm here to have a vision and to share with you a direction, maybe not a destination. Or if I give you a destination, it's a placeholder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I don't want to defraud ourselves of the potential of going further or even a better direction. So here's a direction. Here's where I want to go. Maybe by the day that I, but yeah. And, and when, when you allow the employees or we, I shouldn't say allow, when you invite employees to voice their expertise, voice their knowledge, the engagement goes to the roof. The ownership goes to the roof. And frankly, the solutions are going to be far better. The, the than quality the is far superior because you're not oh, relying yeah. on one person's brain. You're relying on many and it's so much better. Yeah. Yeah. I was muted because our sales seal mascot, the yellow lab, Emma was barking in the background. So I'm going <laughs> to rattle off your website real quick before she does it again, Steve. Steve Chaparro. Dot co is the website in C-H-A-P-A-R-R-O. And I hope you get some clients out of this. Steve, great thinking. Great stuff. Enjoyed this Thank very you. much. If I may, I have a free resource if that's oh, okay. Great, oh, great. Please. Fantastic. So at my website, stevechaparro.co slash frustrated. Uh, you <laughs> use that word uh, early in the introduction. I have a free audio course that I am preparing for frustrated visionaries. And this will help them. Uh, how, how this will help them to be able to transform their frustrations into movements of change. So it's a free audio course that is available uh, to your listeners. Love it. Thank you so much. I'll put that in the show notes for them. Thanks, Steve. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.